you. God bless you. Hey, Lord Jesus, God bless you. Please be seated. Oh, it's wonderful to be saved, isn't it? I mean, listen, it is absolutely marvelous to be in the kingdom of God. There's Esther 4.14 says, you're in the kingdom for such a time as this. There's something better than that. What could be better than in the kingdom of such a time as this? The kingdom being in us for such a time as this. I ask three questions all over the earth where we go. Here's the three, three questions because remember it says, the heavens must contain Christ until the restoration of all things spoken by the mouths of the prophets. So somebody's going to get back everything Adam gave up. So here's, I ask three questions all over the earth. Here it is. If not now, when? If not here, where? If not you, who? Somebody's going to get it. I, and the, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, in the day of God's power, that would be now, his troops, that'll be you, will volunteer freely. That's Psalms 110, verse 3. In the day of his power, his troops will volunteer freely. Here's what the Bible says. Don't you love the Bible? Hey, the Bible is the only book on the planet that can legitimately guarantee you, if you memorize it, you'll have great success. Joshua 1, verse 8. The words of this law shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and they will guarantee you overwhelming success. You might say, now, Bobby, you know, uh, I don't have time to memorize the Bible. Get up earlier. I'm telling you, you need to hide the Word of God in your heart. I'll tell you one thing that will help you to appreciate the Word of God a lot better. It's not mere print on parchment. This, this book right here is not just mere print on parchment. Guess what this book is? Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. I'm telling you guys, we need a new, deeper appreciation for Word of God. I'm telling you for the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon we have, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm telling you, my people are destroyed for lack of... We've got to acquaint ourselves with God. Uh, have you ever, have you, you've read Daniel 11, verse 32b. Daniel 11, 32b says, But the people that do know their God will display strength and take action. One translation said, they'll do great exploits. Now see, the devil knows that verse. If the people get to know God, they're going to display strength and take action. So it would behoove the devil to try to keep you ignorant from the word of God. Because they that know their God will display strength and take action. I like that, don't you? How do we get to know God? We study His Word. Oh, we need to start. Listen, pack your heart full of the Word of God so that when you're opening your mouth, you're speaking back the Word of God. Here's a great verse about it. 1 John 5, 14. 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask Him anything according to His Word, we know that He hears us. If we know that He hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. Wow, that's going to turn prayer from a plea to a proclamation. Oh, God, could you to God? You said. Wow. Well, listen, I found a verse of the Bible. Yes, Bobby. If it wasn't in the Bible, I'd never believe it. Here's what it says. You ready? Yes. Here it is. Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. What? That's in there. Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. 
You say, that can't be in there. Yeah, it is. Job 22, 28 says, and you shall decide a thing, make up your mind, then you decree what you've decided, and the Lord will establish it, and the light of his favor will shine upon your pathway. Well, I ask people, they say, oh, Brother Bobby, would you pray for me? I say, what do you want? Uh, listen, we have not because we ask not. I'm telling you guys, we need to understand God wants us to pack our heart full of his word so when something begins to unfurl, we go, this is that. This is what God's promised. This is what God has said. And so it's very important. So I'm, I'm glad you're here so you'll hear the word of God and hide it in your heart. I suggest the Bible's the easiest book on the planet to memorize. Why? The guy that wrote it lives inside of you. All scriptures given by inspiration of God's profitable. Listen, Holy Ghost to teach us. Number one question I get asked all over the world is this. How did you memorize the Bible? I'll tell you how I memorized the Bible. I studied the Bible till the oil on my fingers wore the print off the page. My, my wife will testify. I've got st a stack of Bibles this high that I've wore the print off the page studying it. Guess what the Lord said the other day? He said, you better do that again. You know why? You never see the Bible twice the same way. It's like a diamond, same diamond. You get it into a different atmosphere. Woo! And we're in the most revelatory atmosphere the, any generation's ever lived in. We're in a season of sensitivity. Yes, yes we are. You can get things now. You can get things now, prouder now, you couldn't get. You may not believe it, but I can prove it to you. God hides things from us for us so we won't mess them up. <laughs> Proverbs 25.2. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, the honor of kings to search it out. You may not believe God has secrets. God has secrets. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto God, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants from now on. I don't know if God's dishing something out. I want it, don't you? So I'm going to search after the deep things of God. People go, well, now, Bobby, I just, uh, mm, I can't retain things. Quit lying. The Bible said God didn't give us the spirit of fear but love, power, and a sound mind. The word sound mind means a mind that can catalog and retain facts. I don't know why we get in a certain age we think we've got to get Alzheimer's, dementia. We don't, we don't know if it's bingo or bowling. God wants you to have a sound mind. I'm telling you. You say, well, Bobby, you know, I, I don't think it's all that important. It is important. We've got to get the Word of God in heart. Well, I'm glad you're here. Got a lot of things to talk about. Ah, so, listen, if you think you're going to keep notes while I'm preaching, drop it. Here's what God told me. He said, you leave their head alone. Here's what he told me. Here's my style of preaching. God told him, he said, Bobby, leave their head alone. He said, when you stand before my people, fling, fling the seed into their heart. He said, I'll guard the seed that you put in their heart. I'll keep the fowl of the air from stealing a single seed. I'll cause the seed to spring up and bring forth fruit that will remain. So I'm not, uh, that's what I do. I realize this. You can't take notes. I just fling them into your spirit. And then when it's time, God will pull it up. Okay? That's what it says. I can prove it to you from the Bible. But anyway, out in the foyer somewhere, there's a book table. And we brought a book for 22 years. On the Day of Atonement, I have this visitation from Jesus Christ. He'll tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. I write in a book. This is the one for 2017, and I hope that you'll get it. I really, really, really pray that you'll get it because in this book, we release some some, I, I think some secret weapons to uh, destroy much of the devil's work, prayer. 
and praise. I'm telling you, God wants us to learn the power of praise. I'm telling you, it's a secret weapon. It really is. You, you, we, we've got to learn to have an attitude of gratitude and enter into his courts with praise. And I'll tell you what, it'll devastate the work of the enemy. Remember Paul and Silas was in prison? It said, at midnight, what is midnight? Oh, it's the furthest time from sundown, furthest time from sunup. It's called the darkest hour of the night. It says Paul and Silas was in prison at midnight. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Remember God sent an earthquake? Now, that's you've studied that story. It's pretty miraculous. Anyway, I hope you'll get the book. It talks about praise. It talks about the courts of heaven. I got carried up to the courts of heaven this year. Wow, that was amazing. You could read about it. I'm telling you guys. You know, we read verses like Revelations 4.1. And after this, I heard a voice which said, Come up here. And I looked, and there was a door standing open in heaven. That means it. There's an open portal in heaven. And after this, this is Revelations 4, verse 1. And after this, what does that mean? That means something prior to this has happened. What happened prior to this? Revelations 3.20. Jesus, I'm, I'm screaming. I get so loud. I get so excited I could thread a sewing machine hit running. <laughs> you know? Yeah, oh, Lord. Oh. Revela <laughs> Revelations 3.20, it says, Jesus talking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in. Woo, I don't suspect you have to be a very deep Bible scholar to realize if somebody's knocking at the door wanting in, you can deduce they ain't in. Don't you think? So there's going to be a church that's going to open the door. If you open the, if you open your door, he opens his door. After this, after we open the door, after he comes in and sets and sups with us, I looked and there was a door standing open in heaven. I'm telling you guys, God wants us to be much more in tune with the spirit realm than we are. I was preaching the other day, and uh, have, have, everywhere I'd move my hand, have, I, I'd run into what felt like saran wrap. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he called it a membrane. He said, it's a membrane between this world and the spirit world, and it's thinner than it's ever been. Woo! You understand we can access the spirit realm. Here's a verse, Zechariah 3, 7. He said, tend to my flock, do what I tell you to do. Tend to my courts, and I will give you open access to my presence. What? Open access to his presence. Wow. That's, a, that's what the Bible says. Zechariah 3, 7. Tend to the things I ask you to do, I'll give you open access to my presence. So I looked it up. It means unfettered access, nothing in the way. Wow. Book of Hebrews said we can come boldly to his throne. Yeah, now, Bobby, I, you know. Listen, I'd suggest we should desire to get into his presence. Why, Bobby? Psalm 1611. In his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I tell people if they don't begin to enjoy Jesus, heaven's going to be hell for him. We better, you know, pastor, it's sad. I go all over the world. Some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got Jesus in the head, but not the heart. And, you know, they, the Bible says a double-minded man's what? You got in all their ways. So, anyway, I want you to learn to enjoy Jesus. 
He's wonderful. He's the happiest man ever lived. Don't fall prey to these, this Jesus you see that looks like a Holocaust victim. His eyes are sunk back in his head. and he, That's not the Jesus of this Bible. The Jesus of this Bible was the happiest man ever lived. I know it says he was a man acquainted with sorrows, but he also says he was anointed with oil of joy far above all his brothers. Jesus Christ, happiest man ever walked this earth. You can't get in his presence and, and, and remain gloomy. You can't. You can't. Doctors say if you have a bad attitude, it'll cut your life short. So a merry heart does good like a... So you need to get near Jesus. Yeah, really, it's, it's, it's something. I'll be preaching when I'm 120. I'm 70. I'll be 74 this year. I speak in the largest youth conferences in the world, 74 years old. They want to know two things. Here, here's what they want to know. Is this book real and can I do it? Answer is yes, yes. It's real and they can do it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, Bobby, what do you tell those young people? I tell them you would want the message, but they will. 2 Corinthians 7 1. What does it say, Brother Bobby? Let's straighten it out. Here's what people ask me. They say, Pastor Steve, they say, Bobby, what translation do you use? And I reply, all of them. I study the Bible in every English translation I can find. And then when I preach, I amalgamate them together like pearls on a string. But if you, go, if you, if you were to come up and say, Bobby, which do you think is the best translation for me to use? I would say to you, don't tell anybody else, the classified, amplified version of the Bible. Now, 20... 2015, uh, they changed it. Don't do that one. They weakened the water there. But get the classic. Say classic. Amplified classic version. That's the strongest one you'll ever pick up is in my opinion. That's what I quote out most of the time. It's a lot, it's a lot better. For example, have you, oh, when I memorized the Bible, I memorized it out of the King James. That's not the smartest thing to do. Uh, here, here's, here's, uh, anyway. I got uh, five grandchildren. The, the oldest one, when he, he's nearly 23 now, when they were little bitty shafers like this, the Lord said, I want you to teach your grandsons the Bible. I said, Lord, that's noble. What verse do you want me to teach them? He said, start with Psalms 119, verse 9 through 11. Now, I memorized it out of the King James Version. You ready? Psalms 119, 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought after thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And let's get real. You think two little rednecks going to memorize that? No, they're not going to memorize that. It sounds like Shakespeare, doesn't it? Wherewithal shall... And so I said, Lord, I don't like that verbiage. He said, I don't either. Here's what he said. He said, teach it in the vernacular. They can conceive and understand. So I could call them anywhere. I, I, got, I got one that's two years old now. Uh, oh, he FaceTimes me. He, he's, uh, listen, it's something two years old. But I could call him right now and I can say this. How can a young person live a clean life? And he'll go, Bible. But his brothers and sisters and all the grandkids will say this by obeying the Bible. You and I need to learn that lesson. If we're going to live a clean life, we have to obey the Bible. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The entrance of thy word gives light. Here's your great verse about light. You want it? Yes, Bobby. Psalms 36, verse 9. Psalms 36, verse 9 says, With you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Wow. If ever a people need light, it's now. We shouldn't stumble in the dark. We ought to be walking as children of the light. Here's a great verse about light. 
Psalms 18, verse 28. He will light my lamp, my spirit, and it will flood my whole life with light. Here's your verse about light. You want it? Yes. Here we go. It's a prayer. It's Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with revelatory light. You'd have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. I want that, don't you? Well, Bobby, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you something you don't want to hear, it, but it's, the, it's really true. Now, these millennials, I don't, I don't know. Some people call them progressive. Some people call them, I, don't, I just call them people. Now, I'll tell you people something. You can't memorize the Bible electronically. What? It's a great study tool. Use your computer, your iPad, your iPhone, your tablet to study it, but you can't memorize it electronically. I promise you when you slap the page, it, it, it don't stay in your head. Get you a paperback Bible. I'm serious as I can be. I mean, let your eyes drink it in. Let your fingers run across it. Mark it if you want to. And I promise you, you can comprehend it. But if you try to do it with your electronics, you can't. When you slap the page away, somehow you're not geared for that. I, I, I'm, listen, Benny, it's a long time. I'm trying to help you. Well, you know. No. It's wonderful to study. You can pull up every word just by putting it in there. But that's okay. But look it up in a paper Bible. Okay, Bobby. Don't lie to me, I'm prophetic. I'll know if you. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm trying to encourage you. Memorize the Bible, live by the Bible, let the Bible be your guide. It'll, it'll really transform your life because <sighs> it's Jesus. You'll never be used in the dimension God wants to use you if you're shallow in the Word of God because it's a person, not a friend. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Here's what I want to talk about today. You ready? I want to talk about hold on to hope. Because if the devil's doing anything, he's attempting to get you to give up on your dreams, drop all your aspirations. He's trying to convince some of you it's too late or it's, you're too young or you're too old. It's not going to happen now. I'll tell you, God says his promises are yes, yes. So here's where we'll start today in, in, in our message. You ready? Yes. But here we go. Psalms 90, verse 5. Psalms, no, I'm sorry, let's do it. Psalms 30. I like Psalms 90, verse 16, 17. Wrote a whole book about that, but that's not what we're talking about now. It's a pretty good place to start. Psalms 90, verse 16, verse 17. It says, Oh Lord, oh Lord, let your works appear. Wow, don't you want to? One translation says, God, show me what you can do so I'll know what I can do. Wow, but here's the one I'm going after today. Psalms 30, verse 5. God's anger is but for a tiny moment. His favor is for a complete lifetime. Then here's the part you remember. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to talk to you about hold on to hope. What a vast difference one single day can make. Say it. One single day. Watch this. I'll show it to you in the Bible. You want to see it? Yes, Bobby. Here we go. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. I've always liked the early mornings. I like, I like the early mornings. I like when the sun's coming up, the birds are beginning to wake up. It's wonderful. It's a quiet time. It's a, kind of, it's a wonderful time. But Jesus said, early will I seek thee. Anyway, here we are. I like mornings, new mornings because of Lamentation 3, 20 and 21. His mercies are new what? Every morning, great. He gets up and pushes the reset button. Thank God. Every morning, great is his faithfulness. That's, but here we go. 
Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hanging on to hope so that one day can change everything. Here, I don't think it's any clearer. Can I introduce you to a man in the Bible I met? It's, he's a, I call him the nude, rude dude. Yeah, he's in the Bible. Say it. Nude, rude dude. You meet him in Mark chapter 5, but being introduced to him starts in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus Christ is just finishing up a day of ministry with his disciples, Mark uh, 4, 34 and 35. And he says to the boys, the, the disciples, boys, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Bible says Jesus gets into a little boat. Disciples get in a little boat. Jesus goes to sleep on a pillow. And the Bible says a furious, I'm screaming, a furious storm of hurricane proportion arose and boy, it says this. It says the winds were howling, the waves were roaring. And it says the disciples, most of them were fishermen before they were disciples. But now they're, they're horrified of this storm. They're absolutely petrified of this storm because it seems like the little boat's going to uh, sink and Jesus is asleep. And, oh, if you're reading this in the Greek, it's high drama. It, it, they, they scream at Jesus, Master, get up! Don't you care? We're going to perish. It says Jesus gets up. Now, this is where I don't like the King James Jesus says, Jesus gets up and he looks across the storm and he says to the winds, peace be still. <laughs> that ain't happening. That ain't how, that's what the King James says. Peace be still, like a poem. If you're reading this in the Greek, it's, it's high drama. Screaming, scratching. And so Jesus gets up and he does not get up there like poetry. Peace be still. Guess what he says to the raging wind? Shut up and lay down. In, in Texas, we'd say, shut your mouth. And it says this, and it's a Greek word for get gagged. And it says the storm goes <laughs> and gets as tranquil as, as, as glass. Let's look at the boys. They're horrified of the storm. Now they're petrified of who's in their boat. Whew, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves? See, I told you, way too familiar with the God we barely know. What caused the boys to faint? What caused them to falter on this test? Number one, they didn't listen to the word of God. Get in the boat. We're going the other side. I didn't hear anything about Coast Guard Rescue, 911. They didn't listen to the Word of God. Second, they didn't really recognize who was in their vessel. So you and I got somebody in our vessel. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet amid all of these things, we're super victorious. Paul had to come up with a new word to write that chapter. That, he wrote a word called Hooper Nike, super overcomer. Well, Bobby, I don't feel like an overcomer. Well, that's wrong. That, that's, that's what we got to deal with, your feelings. Here it is. Joel 3.10. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak now declare they're strong. Here's a great verse you ought to start reciting over yourself. You want it? Yes, Bobby. Micah 3.8. Micah chapter, verse, chapter 3 verse 8 says, Surely, absolutely, totally, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. So that's what you ought to rehearse over yourself every morning. You ought to put that by your mirror in the morning when you step into the water closet. You ought to say to yourself, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Instead of going, you know, our family has some issues. No, get over that. Okay, so here we go. This gets us to Jesus in the boat. Remember the storm? I'll show you why the devil's trying to drown the missionary crew. Because when they get to Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, I love the gospel of Mark, don't you? Why do you love the gospel of Mark so much, Bobby? 
the number one word redundant in the gospel of Mark is immediately and straightway. Every gospel presents Jesus in different genres. The gospel of Mark presents him as action. Immediately, straightway. I never did like scrimmage and warm-up. I like when the whistle blew and the bell rung. I used to box. Good God, I hated sparring. Listen, you either fighting or you ain't fighting. I'm tired of the church shatterbox. I'll get you, boy. Listen, you better come out like a cage fighter. Listen, I've been doing some cage, cage watching. I can put a rear naked choke on any one of you. That's true. I'll tell you, it's kind of like going to heaven, but you get to come back. Have you ever had a rear naked choke? Now, suppose you might want one. You spin them around and you choke the, cut the blood off the brain and the oxygen off, and they go unconscious. You know, that's, I'm not recommending that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am a student of that. I'm a lot faster than I look, too, you know. That's right. Good Lord. We used to do that before you got paid to do it. Honest to God. Now they got rules you can't gouge your eyes out. We didn't even have that. If you get your thumb in there, pull something. Honest to God. We'd stand up and hit one another in the head to see who could stand there the longest. That'll give you a dental bill. I'll guarantee you. Can you believe that? Well, that's, I grew up rough. Yeah. Me and my brother used to sit in the backyard and shoot cigarettes out of one another's mouth with a 22 rifle. My mom would come to the back door, swing the door open, and scream, Hey, you boys quit wasting them shells. They cost money. Didn't say a word about shooting Bobby in the head or Glenn in the nose. You quit wasting them shells. Well, anyway, I got to. Okay, I'm trying, the Lord said. Stay on track. Listen. Here we go. The little, the little boat gets there. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. The gangplank comes down. Here's that word. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Wow. I've been greeted by a lot of people when I arrive at places. Nobody like him. He's been living in the tombs. He does not have one stitch of clothes on. He's naked. Bible said night and day he's in the mountains and in the tombs crying, slashing himself with stones. No man could tame him. No, not night or day. Often he'd be bound. He'd break those chains asunder. It said, who he had his dwelling among the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. That's a Greek word called demonisomia. It means under the total control of a devil. Wow, does, does that seem like it really pays to serve the devil? He's naked, suicidal, living in a tomb. Wow. So there he comes running down, stark naked, falls in front of Jesus, and there's this dialogue going on. One translation he says to Jesus, have you come to torment me before our time? I'll answer that. Yes. We're not going to build a church where demons feel comfortable. We're going to build a church so full of the power and the presence of Jesus, when they walk in, they're going to get delivered. I'll guarantee you there's a spirit of deliverance coming to the house of God. I met an angel in Mannheim, Germany this the past year now. Whew. He jumped up and ran in my face, jerked a sword out like that, and on the sword handle it had Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to set the captives free. I said, what is this about? He said, I'm releasing a spirit of deliverance to the house of God. So anyway, here's the naked guy. 
and he's dialoguing with Jesus. And Jesus said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion for those a bunch of us. And so here's what happens. This, this guy is uh, the, full of demons, and the demons are negotiating with Jesus. Don't send us out of the country. He says, up on the hillside, there's a bunch of pigs, 2,000 2, pigs. The demon said to Jesus, let us get out of this man, and we'll go get in those pigs. And it says, Jesus gave him leave. The pigs, the demons run up there, get into those pigs, and here's what it said. It said the pigs went crazy, went wild. They ran violently, that means uncontrollably, down a steep slope, jumped in the ocean, and drowned. Guys, it's a mass case of swinicide if I've ever seen it. <laughs> swinicide. Don't you see it? 2,000 pigs bouncing around dead in the ocean. Now, there's some Jewish boys keeping those pigs. So they run into town to talk to the pig owners. They didn't have a text, you know, oh, now. I've watched our grandkids sit on the couch and text one another. I'm on the couch. Me too. <laughs> Good God, communicate, verbalize. Oh, man. This is a... I do all of those youth conferences I told you all about. The and, you know, I was preaching one time, and they thousands of these young people and they, they said they said almost in unison do you tweet I go that could have been me I'm not sure hey you know, so, so uh, I'm just breaking into this social media stuff I figure if the president can do it I can do it yeah I don't know nothing about tweet and, and yeah but I finally learned emailing you know I had fax machine. It finally quit, you know. Y'all you know, remember fax? Anyway, I got to stay with this thing. Here we go. The guy's there, and he's, uh, he's crying out. And it, it says, Jesus gave the demons leave, and they left. And so the people kept the pigs. They ran into town said, you better get out here. Something's coming down. So the guy said, on the pigs, came out there. And here's what it says. It's almost unbelievable. It says, when they arrived, they see the guy, they see the guy that had been demon-possessed. Now he's seated, clothed. In his right mind, whoo, if it's ever time to throw your hands up and praise God, that would be it. The maniac is saved, seated, clothed. But here's what the people that own the pigs said to Jesus. Get your bag. Get out of our community. It costs too much to have you here. That's exactly what it says. Get your bag. Get out of here. It costs too much to have you in our community. Mm. So Jesus is getting his bag, and he's about to get back in the boat. And what happened? The guy that had just been released from all those demons that are seated, clothed in his right mind. He says to Jesus, oh, master, let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, no, hold it. That's not the plan. You go back to your family, your friends, show them, teach them, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And the Bible you hold in your hand says, and he went back to Decapitus, and it says, and all men did marvel. Theologians say that means everyone that heard him was converted. And Decapitus means a 10-city coastline region. So he set 10 cities ablaze. Wait a minute. The message is hold on to hope. What a difference one day can make. Watch it. This dude woke up a maniac, went to bed a missionary. One day. One day. Woke up a naked maniac, a little interchange with Jesus, and there he's a new creation, and he's out there a missionary. From a maniac to missionary one day. Wow. You want some more one-day stories? Bible is filled with them. Here's one, probably one of my best, the one I like more than anything. 
2 Samuel 9. 2 Samuel 9. Yes. Yes. I have several voices. They asked me one time, they, you know, when you had CDs, they said, Brother Bobby, do you sing on your CDs? <laughs> I said to him, I don't think the church goes that deep into tribulation. <laughs> but when I do sing, I sing like Louis Armstrong. Well, I love telling you looking swell. That's a dead ringer for Louis. I mean, listen. <laughs> I can hear some of you are saying, don't quit your day job. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. 2 Samuel 9 uh, verse 1, it says, David is at a time of respite. Uh, we find out in the prior chapter he's ended a lot of his battles. He's been victorious in the battles. And have you ever been so busy? And then when you had a little spare time, you realized, oh, my God, I've made some promises I hadn't fulfilled. That's where David's at, Second Samuel 9. He's realized he has not been obedient to a covenant he made with his friend Jonathan. He, him and Jonathan back in First. Samuel says they were out in a, a place and they cut a covenant. And Jonathan said to him, David, I know you're the man that's supposed to take over. You're, you're, I'm going to serve your anointing because it's your place to become king of Israel. And he said this. He said, but make a covenant with me that you will show my family, my descendants, kindness uh, all your reign. And so this David's got this little quiet moment. He goes, oh, my God. I have been negligent. I hadn't done what I told Jonathan I'd do. Remember uh, Jonathan, he's an unsung hero in the Bible. Goodness, one of the greatest guys you'll ever study about. And here's what happens. It says that Jonathan and his, his, his uh, father were killed in battle. And uh, Jonathan had a little five-year-old boy. And it says that the nurse picked up, when the words came that grandfather and father had been killed in a battle, the nurse picks up the little baby, he's five, and he's, she, apparently she's running in haste or moving in haste. And it says, it doesn't even say how it happened. I suspect she fell on him, dropped the baby. It doesn't say exactly how it happened. It says, but he was lame in his legs. And it's the strongest uh, Greek word for it's paralyzed from the neck down. That's what it means, this little five-year-old prince. And so here it is. So David is there, and he says, Is there anybody left of the household of Saul that I could show them kindness and favor because of Jonathan's sake? And Ziba, Ziba was good with uh, figuring all the, the titles and the courts and the things that was there. And so David asked Ziba, and Ziba says, Yes, yes. There's a descendant. His name is Mephibosheth, and he's Jonathan's son. He's lame in his legs, and he's living in Lodibar. Nobody in their right mind would live in Lodibar. Say it, Lodibar. Lodibar is a Hebrew word that means dry, barren, uninhabitable. The only people who lived in Lodibar were thugs, gangsters, and Outlaws. It would be like the Badlands in America. You know what I mean? Nobody, listen, horrible place to live. But little crippled prince has been down there with his uncle, and his uncle's name is what? Malkar. Say it, Malkar. You look up the Hebrew word Malkar, it means salesman. But if you look at it deeper, it's a dark, dark name. It means pimp, shyster. It, it means salesman, but it means selling his daughter at the camel station. Pimping for his dog. Say thug. It means somebody that make money at any cost. Malkar. This is where the little crippled prince has been living all these years. I'm sure Uncle Malkar said something like this. Hey, boy, if it wasn't for me, that king back there, David, had dragged you, bony self, slit your throat, hang you off the gate, 
but I'm your redeemer. You owe everything to me, boy. That's all that Malcar, that's all that Malcar would say to the little crippled prince. But now King David has sent Ziba to go find the fallen prince. Now let's be there in, in, in Lodibar for a moment. Hot, blistering desert. Somebody looks across the desert, there's dust. They shave their eyes. They're going, what in the world? Who would come to Lodibar? Then they see in the distance the flag, the flag of David. Oh, my. Hearts begin to flutter. That's David's flag. He gets closer and closer and closer. It's Ziba, and they're coming with a whole entourage from King David. Let's, let's look in that rag shack where Mephibosheth has been raised up. Somebody comes up flap of the tent. Somebody in the entourage says, Mephibosheth live here? A trembling voice says, yes. How would you like to be Mephibosheth? As far as you know, this is your last day. This king's going to drag you back, slit your throat, hang you on the gate, let the buzzards pick your eyes out. See, that's what one regime would do to the prior regime. Kill every descendant. But David is a man after God's own heart. And Mephibosheth, don't know there's a different type of king on the throne. So bring him out. Here comes Mephibosheth crawling in the dust. Put him, put him in the chariot. And it's unheard of in protocol. You study protocols in history, you'll never see a greeting like David gives Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is brought back to the king's palace. If you study anything about biblical history back in those days or any natural history, no king gets up off his throne to greet anyone. You had to follow the protocols to come into the altar of a king. But it says in your Bible, when Ziba brings back Mephibosheth, King David gets off of his throne and goes out to meet him. Say it, go out. I'm going to tell you what, something. Every one of us are in the kingdom because somebody went out searching for us. Jesus went out to the garden, off to the cross. Listen, I'm telling you, God is a great initiator, but here he is. David goes out, and he says, Mephibosheth. And you can hear it. It says in your Bible, Mephibosheth laying in the dust. Here's what he says about himself. He goes, who, who am I that such a dead dog as me that you would come out and greet me? In Jewish vernacular, you'll never find a worse cut down than somebody referred to themselves as a dead dog. See, this, this young prince never really knew his destiny. You said, Bobby, what does this have to do with modern-day church? Oh, I know thousands of Mephibosheths. They've been dropped, mishandled. They're, they're, oh, they can walk with the cadence, but their hearts are broken. They can't walk in the kingdom because their, their mobility has been shattered by being mishandled. And here we go. There he is laying on the ground. Who, who am I? Such a dead dog as I. And David turns and begins to instruct Ziba. It's the greatest story of restoration you'll ever find in the Bible. Joel 2.25, God thunders a word. Joel 2.25, it, it thunders a word. I will restore, declares the Lord. It shakes the whole heavens and the earth. I'll restore everything the canker worm is eating. David turns to Zeba. Zeba had, I think, 15 servants and 17 sons. And David said, to Ziba, you and your sons and your servants will serve Mephibosheth the rest of his whole life and watch this. And I am giving back to him everything. Say everything. everything. 
everything that was his grandfather's, that's King Saul, and everything that was his father's, Jonathan. Wow. Wow. You can't even calculate what kind of a restoration that is. Everything King Saul had now belongs to Mephibosheth. Everything his father, Jonathan, had, all the land, all the money, and Zeba and his tribe is going to serve them the rest of their life. And here's what it says. It says, and Mephibosheth will eat bread at my table all the days of his life. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have been there in that regal palace and pulled on that banquet door. There's all of David's regal sons, and there's a new one down there. You can't see his lame legs under the king's table. Say grace. That's where our lameness is, isn't it? Covered by the Lord. I suggest to you that's probably one of the greatest examples of restoration you'll ever see. Watch this. He woke up a crippled pauper in a rag shack, goes to bed, restored prince in a palace. One day. What a difference one day can make. Well, anyway, you believe it can, if it can happen to them, it'll happen for us. I was reading the Bible, and I read what Paul wrote concerning Old Testament stories. Here's what Paul wrote concerning Old Testament stories. What happened to them is a teaching tool for us who are alive at the end of the age. It's an example. It's a teaching tool. Wow. Wow, I like that, don't you? Yeah, well, it couldn't happen to me. Well, not with that attitude. You've got to believe God. Do you have favorite verses? Yes. Lenny, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Nahum, N-A-H-U-M, chapter 1, verse 7. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7, here's what it says. God is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those that are trusting him. Now, I'd read that in the Bible before, but, it, you know, you can read it and it doesn't get you till it gets you. I'll tell you when it got me. I was in a civic center down in Mexico City. They said there was 72,000 people in that circular building. I don't think so. I think 50-something thousand maybe. But anyway, I'm preaching. A man brings a little, little dark-eyed Spanish baby there. I don't know how old, just maybe a few months. I don't know. Just an arm baby. And I'm looking at the father. And I, I, I don't speak Spanish either. I know Taco Bell and burrito and stuff like that. But... Uh, I don't know how to converse in it. But anyway, I'm looking at this Spanish man, and I'm looking him in the eyes, and he's pleading with me. And so I'm looking at the little girl. I can just see half of her, her face there, and she's beautiful. Raven black hair, sparkling eyes, and she's beautiful. And then she adjusts herself and turns in her daddy's arm, and I see this side of her face. She don't even have a face. She's born with no side of the face here. From here all the way down, you can see her her tongue, her jaw, down into the sides of her throat. Saliva's run all the way down. Oh, my goodness. My heart started to flutter, and I, I said, God, what will you do? When I said, what will you do, the whole civic center goes away. I'm not in the civic center any longer. I'm standing in that little girl's bedroom, but now she's maybe, I don't know, four, three or four years old, but she's old enough to know she's deformed. She's laying in a pillow with her face buried deep in a pillow, sobbing and crying and screaming. The scene changes. Still in the little girl's bedroom, but now she's older. I suspect 12, maybe 13. Could be older than that. But she's up against the wall in the corner of her room, crying and beating her head against the wall like this. Scene changes one more time. 
I don't know, 15, maybe 18 years old. There she is, there's no face on this side. And she's standing at the at a intersection and cars and buses are whizzing by. I can feel the air of them. And she just launches herself out in front of them. And one of them just grinds her to death. I'm back in the Civic Center and standing there and the little baby's in the dad's arms. I said, Lord, well, I barely could breathe. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, Bobby, take your thumb and stick it in the hole in the little girl's face. I took the thumb right here and stuck it in the hole and moved my thumb like that. And God Almighty grew this baby a face just like that in a split second. In a split second. Oh, Lord. Oh. Then, then the Lord said to me, he said, Bobby, do you know why I heal that girl? And I said, no, Lord, I don't. And he said, because I'm a good God. And he gave me Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that are trusting him. See that little girl, she'll never remember being in the civic center. But I'll tell you what, she's got a life because God's good God. They had to build a road to build our homes on in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. And they named the road Nahum. I live on Nahum Road in North in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The word Nahum means the one that brings consolation. Wow. So that's my favorite verse of the Bible. Um, God is good. Aren't you glad he didn't say God was good or he's going to be good? Right in the midst of your calamity, he is good. Right in the midst of all the stuff spurring around, he is good. Aren't you glad? Whew, boy, don't you love it when you tell a story and you, you get... The story gets back into you. I'm telling you what, it's a, I'm amazed at the goodness of God. The Lord came to me and said, the Lord came to me and he said, Bobby, I want you to put this word out across the nations, not only America, but across the whole nations. I said, Lord, I will. I, with your help, I will. He said, I want you to release Psalms 65 verse 11. Psalms 65 verse 11 says, The Lord will crown this year with His goodness. Wow. He'll crown this year with His goodness. I looked up the word crowned, and it means it's like a, it's, it's like a circle. It's, he'll crown. He'll surround this whole year with His goodness. It's like Cattle or horses in a corral. They go this way, they hit the corral. They go this way, they hit the corral. Every way we turn, we're going to run into the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Listen, Google it and read it in every translation you could find. It says, He will cause His superabundance to follow wherever His tracks go. One of them says, his chariot wheels will drip with fatness. Study it in every translation you can find. But look at your neighbor and say, goodness of God. Well, that's what he's going to do. Oh, man. You know the difference between weeping and squalling? Mucus, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've seen some churches weep. I I'm a squaller. I'll blow out a little. <laughs> Good Lord. I, okay. I am kind of energetic. You know what I mean? And demonstrative, or what do you call it? 
I can tell you what some of the other guys call it, but anyway, I do have fun. I'm telling you, I'm excited about the things of God. I have never been more excited than I am right now. God has had great mercy on America. And don't squander it. If ever the body of Christ needs to pray for the president, it's now. The media, the, I'll tell you what, to the, you know, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. I studied the definition of uh, treason, and our modern-day media fall right into the category. They should be tried for treason. Treason means the overthrow of a standing government. If the media is up to anything, that's what they're up to. Now, what they're doing now is a spiritual thing. They're constantly barraging our president with word curses. I want the body of Christ. I want you. See, you're obligated because you're a believer to pray for those in authority. You're obligated. You're, God don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican. He cares about his principles. And you need to start praying for our president. Here's what I really encourage you, and I'm serious as I can be. Go to the card shop and buy a little card and address it to the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, and just pin a little word there. Dear Mr. President, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and I want to assure you I am praying for you, and I'm praying you'll have the grace of God and the wisdom. God will give you the words to say. We ought to be praying every day for his safety, for his wisdom. You believe that? Listen, guys, you say, well, now, Bobby, listen, good Lord. Listen, what's going on in our nation is a very strategic thing to divide us. But listen, God's up to something. He had great mercy on us. You believe it? I'll tell you what. I, 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 listen, I'll tell you how you know it's global, how you know it's a spirit. Just as soon as our election, I took off to Europe. Europe was fighting mad beside themselves. See, that's a spirit, a global spirit. Had no dog in the fight, and they're fighting mad. And listen, guys, I'm telling you, I want you to pray for the president. Let's pray for him right now. You want to? Lord Jesus, we're up here talking about praying for the president. We want to be put action to our words. Lord, you told us to pray for those that are in authority. And you, I believe you, sovereign God, have put uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump as president over us. And I, I pray right now that you would give him divine wisdom. I pray James 1, 5 for the president. If any of us lack wisdom that you said, if we'll ask you, you'll give it to us. I'm asking you to give him and surround him with wise counselors. And, Lord, I'm praying for divine wisdom. I pray for protection. I pray that the angels of God would encamp around about him. You would keep him and his family protected. But, Lord, I thank you that he has biblical principles. He does want to see things change. And, Lord, I do pray for him. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for mercy. And I pray you'll stir up the body of Christ to bind Matthew 18, 18, that they'll bind these word curses and they'll start speaking blessings over our nation. Lord, I'm asking this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You say, now, Bobby, I don't think the church ought to be involved in politics. That's the problem. I read the Bible. I suggest you try it. Psalms 115. Have you read that? Psalms 115, verse 16. Have you read that one? He said, the heavens of heavens, that belongs to God. But this earth is your responsibility. That's what the Bible said. Psalms 115, verse 16. The heavens of heavens, that belongs to God. But this earth is our responsibility. Wow. 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 You ought to read verses 14 and 15 just to get your heart right. Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15 says, May the Lord... 
increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. That's, that's Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15. May the Lord bless you more and more, increase you, you and your entire family. Wow. You believe God wants to bless your family? I'll tell you how bad He wants to bless your family. He, he wants to give you Psalms 112, verse 2. It said, the offspring of the upright will be mighty in the earth. Psalms 112, verse 2. I told one dear lady a while ago, I said, you ought to study the whole 112th Psalm. The whole 112th Psalm says, the favor, the blessings, the benefits of God will get on your life in such a dimension, it'll make your enemies so mad, they'll gnash their teeth and stomp away. That's better than a lawsuit. Psalms 112. Listen, you'd be surprised what will happen if you'll get the Word of God in you. I tell you what, now we're going to teach in the school, is that correct? Now, I tell you what, uh, if I wasn't so busy, I'd invite myself back. I'm serious. There's a message, I got a message. Uh, you ever, I got to quit. Good Lord. I'm already in the red. Here it is. I, I got a message cooking, I'll just share a little bit of it with you. Have you ever watched the red carpet? You know, the red carpet and, and these uh, award shows or whatever. And, you know, the paparazzi are there. And, the, and there's some little a guy with a, a microphone. And he walks up to him and he says, what's the number one question they stick under the girl's mouth? Who you wearing? Who you wearing? Boy, I'll tell you what. Jesus came to me and said, who you wearing? <gasps> and he gave me, listen to me now. He gave me Judges 6, 34. Here's what it says. And God clothed Gideon with himself and took possession of him. Good God. God clothed Gideon with himself and took possession of him. Who are you wearing? I got to get out of here. Visit the book table. I'll sign your book. Jesus told me to sign books. I said, I don't sign books. He said, you do now. Miracles happen. God grew a guy a finger. Guy 40 years, deaf, got his hearing, crippled. Listen. Here we go, Pastor. That's yours. Okay, we got to get out of here. Hey, they've got a ministry team. They'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I tell you what, Jesus will pray for you. You know what, God, I'll just be really honest. God's busy cutting out the middle man. He's wanting you to know you can get it yourself. You don't, I believe in praying for the sick, laying hands, but you really don't need some earthly hand. God says there is one mediator between God and man, that man, Jesus Christ. All right? Well, God bless you. You're going to see more miracles than you've seen in most of your life. Half of the time, I'm telling you, you're going to see a floodgate of miracles. I mean floodgate of miracles. Notable miracles that will be cataloged and written about. Okay? You'll do the same thing, and you'll see much amplified results. Thank God for that. Why would that happen? New day. God's determined. I've got to quit. He's determined to fulfill Isaiah 40, 3 through 5 in your life. I'm, I'm prophesying to you now, and you can have it too. 
Isaiah 43 through 5 says, The voice of one in the wilderness crying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway. Lower the mountains, fill in the valleys. Move the stumbling stones. Because the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh shall sit together because the mouth of the Lord has declared it. And you say, I'm not in the wilderness. Spiritual wilderness. Our whole nation is in a spiritual wilderness. But God's going to sound a voice. He's going to lower the mountains, fill in the valleys, and he's going to fill this whole earth with the knowledge of his son. Well, that's it. Look, I'm... <laughs> Pastor, where's my man? Come on here. God bless you. <laughs>